It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest on New York's news and talk station 77 WABC. Well, welcome back to Left Struck vs. Right. I'm Anthony Weiner. Hardly a heavyweight, if you've seen me. I'm barely a welterweight. We're, we have uh, Jason Chaffetz on the phone, best-selling author, former member of Congress, former uh, member uh, chairman of the House Oversight Committee. Uh, coming up soon, uh, John Fassel will be talking to us about redistricting. And at the top of the hour, Curtis Lee will be um, uh, stepping in. He has been very kind to let me do this hour on my own to try to Learn the radio, learn doing interviews, learn the breaks. And uh, I really want to thank him for that as well. And he's going to be coming in. Uh, uh, Curtis is going to be doing his own version of the first 100-day report card for Mayor Adams. Um, and he's also apparently going to nominate me to be the CEO of Donald Trump's new social media app with all of my obvious skill around social media. But Jason Chaffetz is with us. I appreciate you you sticking by. I, I don't want to get too deep into this idea, but I do want to point out, you know, we here in New York, as you make the salt, uh, this, the uh, state and local tax deduction, one of your targets for your thesis in your book, that, you know, New York does pay a disproportionate amount of the now. We, get, we pay more out in taxes than we get back in services. And if you believe that we should get rid of the SALT deduction because it is regressive, that it goes to the richest 5% of taxpayers, that's true of lots of deductions. Maybe we should get rid of the the, the reduced tax that we have uh, for capital gains, for example. If that's the rationale for doing it, then perhaps there are other deductions we should take away from those who are the very wealthiest in America. Hey, if you want to join arm in arm with me and get after a flat tax, I would still keep a mortgage deduction. I would still keep um, a charitable deduction. But I think a flat tax is the most fair thing you can do. I was one of a few Republicans on the House floor who actually voted to get rid of uh, a lot of these petroleum and energy uh, subsidies. I, I, don't, I, I don't think at this point that the oil and gas uh, companies needed, you know, subsidies. They were doing quite well back when we had that vote. So, um They drive me nuts. They pick winners and losers. Um, I happen to think that the capital gains tax actually provides the right kind of incentives for investment and growth in the country. But if you want to get it simple and you want to get it fair, just do a flat tax. You know, have a certain rate, a lower rate, up to maybe $50,000 in income. Have another rate that that graduates up to maybe $200,000, and then just have a flat tax. If you're a billionaire, then you pay that tax when you have your actual income. And if you make $100,000, you pay the same rate. Have everybody pay the same rate. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that there's really that the tax system, you can have 100 or 200 rates. Everyone, People just look on the chart for what they pay at their amount. I have no problem with, with um, Jeff Bezos playing, paying a higher rate than a guy who drives a bus or Jeff Bezos paying a higher rate than you or I do. I don't think that rates – You know, look, let's face it. It doesn't matter if you have 50 rates or five rates – you only care about the rate you're paying, and that's just about putting your dollar amount in, and you pay that amount. But I think I, I would agree with you on the one thing. I would agree that if you had a room full of average Americans who are Democrats, half Democrat, half Republican, 
probably in an hour they can emerge with a consensus right, right. on how to make the tax code fair. No doubt about it. Exactly. Let me exactly. let me ask you. Uh, uh, I want to do a couple of like lightning round uh, questions with you from from your podcast, Jason, in the house that, that that you've been touching on. But before I do that, what's going on with Utah? Uh, it's a state that produces you, someone who always got along well with Democrats. You're a very conservative guy, and you can you can be as partisan as the next guy. But you've got Mitt Romney, who has earned the ire of his party. You have a governor there who. When he ran for governor, did an ad with his Democratic opponent um, and has been criticized in some corners of this radio station for using various um, pronouns that 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 some people find too woke or whatever the complaint is about it. Tell us a little bit about what the Utah way is. I've heard this written about and, and spoken about. It seems that you guys, in addition to those things, also don't seem you don't seem to be as pro Trump a state just based on the numbers, as some other conservative states. So how do you explain it? Um, Trump did quite well here. I mean, if you look at the vote, um, we have not um, uh, voted. Th- let me go back. It was a very Democratic state, um, almost exclusively Democrats, until the abortion issue came up. And this is a state that is very much pro-life. That has a lot to do with the religious um, convictions of a lot of people, but our state is changing. We get a lot of Californians, a lot of growth. We have one of, I think, the lowest unemployment, and we have some of the fastest growth that's going on. Um, they like their independence out west here. Um, they got a libertarian streak with a lot of people, and people truly do vote, I think, based on the individuals. So um, I think there is a general. Um, frustration, particularly from the Republicans, which dominate this state, on Mitt Romney and Governor Cox. These are not things that they campaigned on, and suddenly they are taking a very hard left turn, and that's frustrating a, a lot of people. Um, but, you know, it's it's like every other state. You, you have some people that end up doing exactly what they said they're going to do, and you have some people that, wow, I, that's not what you said you were going to do, and, and the voters get to, to make decisions. Both of them happen to be up for re-election in 2024. If you primary Mitt Romney, would you beat him? I, I have to, I'm not going to project like that. I have said I am a definite maybe and perhaps running. But right now, honestly, 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 I love my relationship with Fox News. I left Congress in the middle of my term because I was tired of the flight. And I, I love my wife and I miss my kids. I was jealous of guys like you who could go back to New York and then run back down to D.C. real quick. Me, I got, you know, four and a half hours on an airplane ride to get back home. So um, I think I do quite well, but I'm not going to, you know, put a guess to that. If you if you were to run, when would you have to decide? Um, You know, you've got to pretty much decide in the fall of 23. That's about mm-hmm. right. So you, you have some time. You let me know if I if you need me to endorse your opponent. That should basically put you over the top. All right, let me, you know let, what, though? Yep. You know what? I, I want to say this really quickly. I, I touted the fact that I could work with Democrats and find common ground and get things done. I worked on criminal justice reform. I worked with you on, on getting rid of waste, fraud, and abuse. And, the, you know, I, there are things that I think play really well here. And I never shied away with the idea that, hey, I'm just a purist. No, I, I don't think that gets it done. If you want to get something done, I take the Ronald Reagan adage that say, if we can get 80% of what you're trying to get to, do it. Put your hand out and work with a, 
you know, somebody across the aisle. I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah, well, we're talking with Jason Chaffetz, former member of Congress, author of the book Never Let a Crisis Go. They Never Let a Crisis Go to Waste, by the way. That pronoun refers to me, the Democratic Party, and progressives. Uh, Jason Chaffetz, it's, it's on the shelves now. You can get it on Amazon. He's uh, also got a podcast, Jason, in the house that, that I would recommend you go listen to. Let me, let me I mean, I, you know, your last comment made me think, though, even in the brief time that you left Congress, and certainly since I left Congress, Departing from the orthodoxy 5% is heresy right now. I probably – it's definitely in your party, probably in my party as well. And I remember when you were the chairman of the House Oversight Committee and I had many beefs with what you were doing. I wasn't there any longer at the time. Um, but there were very often times that even members of your own party and even the White House were saying, hey, you should be investigating this. You should be investigating that. And you stood up to them and said, I'm going to investigate the things I think that – I should be, and then and you you reflected the views of your committee. Nowadays, I think it would be harder. If, I think if you were to tomorrow retake the gavel of the House Oversight Committee, I think you would find it tough to function because there's almost a hundred percent necessity for fealty to a conventional Republican line, isn't there? I I think it would be tough. I think the frustration, particularly, it was highlighted with Donald Trump and beyond. It it continues today. I think Republicans look at traditional mainstream, if you will, whatever you want to call it, the traditional and even social media, and they don't think that they get a fair shake, that the that those outlets are in the bag for with the Democrats and they shut people down like the New York Post and, and others that have stories that are legitimate stories and Twitter shuts them down. And so they feel like they're constantly on the defensive that side and that you, they can't trust anybody because they just don't get the same type of coverage and aggressive media that 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 comes towards Republicans and conservatives. What is the number one cable news outlet by viewership in America today? Oh, it's not even close. It's Fox News. Right. So how can you possibly make the argument that you don't get your view out or you, you get shut down in any way? How does that even make well, sense? I think the view gets out. I think this is why. I think the rest of America hasn't figured out why is Fox News so dominant. But if you look at ABC, CBS, NBC, you keep going down the list, Twitter, Facebook, the suppression that happens online and the lack of coverage by The New York Times and The Washington Post. Come on. I know you talked about Hunter Biden last week, but they're a year and a half late to this game. And to shut it down and say it was Russian disinformation, they didn't have anything that actually said that. Uh, and, and they should have challenged those 51 intelligence officers and gone after those former intel people and gone after them. Well, so hold on a second. First of all, all I mean, media, uh, uh, yeah, that, that's far bigger than Fox. Well, let me let me just, just clarify. You know that when the New York Post ran their story, that the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal, all the major newspapers did do stories about it. There was absolutely no comparison to what was going on. They did not dive into it, Anthony. There have been stories after this, story after story after story, that would be on the cover of Time magazine, that would be on the cover front page of the New York Times, and they did not cover did, it. Oh, did, yeah. did, Maybe we put something on page 29. I know, no, but, they, they did stories about the Post coverage because, as you know, the Times and the Washington Post were not given access to the laptop. You're aware of that, right? They were told no when they asked for it. I'm just telling you, the disparity between the stories and what was going on on MSNBC, CNN, all those other outlets I'm talking about, 
they did not run of that course story. they didn't they didn't run that story because they didn't have the laptop because this clerk that emerged a month before the election when the Russians had had attacked our country just four years before using this disinformation you know would, if you were an editor of a newspaper and someone came to you and said listen I'm a partisan for Hillary Clinton I have this laptop that was left in a store it's a month before the election I'm not going to show it to you, but go read this liberal newspaper that wrote about it. Would you put it on the front page? Well, they didn't dig on it, D'Anthony. There's no way over the last year and a half you're going to tell. I had personal stories about what was going on with Hillary Clinton that I could tell you where the New York Times had information from the chairman of the Oversight Committee. They actually gave them documents, and I had that reporter come back and tell me, uh, they're not going to run it because you know what? This is not good for Hillary Clinton. And uh, my editor will not let that, it out. Look, that that type of that's that's an, an interesting story. But like in this case, I mean, look, I looked at this pretty hard, and I went back and looked at all the stories that were written during that that period of time. Within three days, the Washington Post wrote a story. Within two days, the New York Times wrote a story, and they all said the same thing: that this is what is being reported in the New York Post. We don't have access to these documents. And by the way, the Trump intelligence community was warning about the exact this type of disinformation and then the one kind of eyewitness to it all this guy Bobolovsky uh, uh, Bobolinsky he takes his huh? his material goes to two places two conservative places he goes to Fox News and he goes to to the Wall Street Journal both of them write stories saying we've looked at the text messages and they don't connect conference. they don't With connect all takers that's not true conference. that's not true he went to Tucker Carlson and when NBC called up and said can we see your your text messages have you ever seen them? I have seen a lot of stuff. I've, I have not seen everything that's in those documents. But Bob Alinsky, nobody the has. Election, did a press conference with anybody who had. But he didn't. To show re- up. He didn't show his what he had. All he said is, "I've got this stuff." Hey, listen, this has been a, been a good conversation. You know, one thing we have to do, you and me, at some point, and maybe we should do it on on your show, or maybe we should you should come back. We have to tell the backstory of the ultimate thing that the history books are going to connect us with, not you being at, at whom in my uh, wedding reception, not me getting bitten by a, <laughs> by a goat, not, not you and me trying to, 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 to take the funding from the Institute of Peace, but how my laptop turned into a press release that you put out that fundamentally changed the way the 2016 election go. You and I really were – I mean I was in rehab at the time, but you, you and I really are going to be kind of footnotes – to the 2016 election, um, and we might have changed the course of history. How does that make you feel? Yeah, we should probably talk about that. <laughs> How about that for, for for leaving it at the end? Listen, I really want to thank. I've been talking to Jason Chaffetz. I really do encourage you to go out and get get the book. I, I, I am in the process of writing a rebuttal book at this time. Hopefully, I do half as well as Jason has done. Um, Jason, I really do appreciate it. Congressman Jason Chaffetz, author of Never Let a Crisis Go to Waste: The Truth About Disaster Liberalism. I really appreciate you sharing your views with us today. I hope we get a chance to do it again soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Anthony. Take appreciate care, buddy. It. Thanks.